And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. How about them Cowboys indeed? All right, another NFC East matchup for the Cowboys this Sunday. They're headed to the Meadowlands to face the New York Football Giants, the Jason Garrett Liss Football Giants. We'll discuss his departure, the old Cowboys coach. And we'll preview it all here on this episode of About Them Cowboys. Welcome in. I'm Kent producing and welcoming in three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. First, he's off stars duty, Saad Youssef from The Athletic and the Ticket. From Sports and Such and The Eagle, the man in the hosting chair is Kevin K.T. Turner and your beat writer at The Athletic covering all things Dallas Cowboys is Father John Mishota. He's standing by. K.T., lot to talk about. Yeah, let's talk injuries first because uh, the Giants definitely aren't that interesting, um, and they're and they're really bad. Um, so you know the Cowboys do have a chance to end a t- end a tenure, maybe. I mean, Joe Judge is as as hot as a hot seat can get. Uh, I don't think the Giants are going to get rid of him or anything, but uh, I don't think that's like out of this world to think that either. Uh, but John, we got to talk injuries. This Cowboy team needs to get healthy, and man. The Giants do feel like a team that you can kind of walk over, and I know that's a crazy thing to say given how the Cowboys have kind of played the last four, five, six weeks, but we got some guys that it might make sense for them to maybe maybe not push it this week. Um, let's start with Tyron. I know that's the big one. I know he's not playing on Sunday. Tyron, Zeke, Tony Pollard, and then go from there. Well, Tyron, he's already been ruled out, which I think is a smart decision. This this could be a multiple-week thing. And, again, it's the same ankle that he had already missed three games on last month. And so you have this come up again, and it's all of a sudden like, all right, well, you should be able to take care of the Giants, get him some rest, and get him ready to go uh, for a playoff run. And this gives Terrence Steele a chance to get back into the starting lineup and show what he can do uh, because, like we've talked about on this show before, He's going to be part of the future one way or another, whether it's swing tackle or as a starting offensive tackle. This coaching staff thinks too highly of, of him not to be part of their future. So I don't think that's awful that you're going to get him these reps again against the Giants. The running back thing is a little bit more difficult because you do need to get this running game going again. And I don't know how you do that without Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard, because that's who ultimately, if you're going to make a playoff run, you're going to need at least one of those guys to be healthy. So Cowboys are a lot more optimistic this week about Pollard than they were last year. And I mean, last week, and they were pretty po- optimistic about him. I mean, it did come down to a game time decision, but because he got the extra rest, I think he'll be back out there probably a little bit limited in terms of his, his carries and touches in that Zeke. I don't see Zeke sitting out. I mean, we, every week, I feel like we talk about this. I don't think anything's going to change with them playing the giants. Uh, and if it did, it, it would surprise me. So I'd say those are the biggest ones, particularly on offense uh, that I look at. Defensively, I mean, this is probably about as healthy as they've been all season now with like having Lawrence back. Here's the other thing with Randy Gregory and Neville Gallimore, 
they were still kind of limited in that game. They weren't going to give them the full allotment of plays they would normally get. They played right around 30 each. Uh, I expect more out of Grant, Randy Gregory and Neville Gallimore for, for this game. Uh, so you mix those guys in there. Another game back with Tristan Hill. Um, so yeah, I mean, the defensively, they look like they're in pretty good shape. It just on, it's just on offenses where you have some current concerns there, but again, you're playing a giants team, you're a double digit favorite. You win this game regardless. Oh, there's no doubt about it. I just can't believe that we're in the middle of December and we're talking about no worries about the defense and all the worry is on the offense. And I feel like after the game on Sunday on our podcast, if you missed it, you can check that out. I, I do think that we did a, a decent job of covering the five, six, seven reasons that might be, you know, hampering the offense. Um, and and Bob wrote a good piece as well that everyone should probably check out on the Athletic as well. That's really good, kind of his uh, in his decoding Kellen Moore series. I mean, you look at the bye week and the Minnesota game that Dak missed, and that's when the calf injury happened. It is pretty shocking, like a ten percent drop in completion percentage, and that tells you a lot of the easy throws are going away. So there's a lot there, you know, uh, didn't really try to push it down the field too much against Washington. When he did, one of those was intercepted early on in the game. And maybe that was a confidence killer when he overthrew and that caused an interception. But I'm, I'm almost to the point of, I don't even know what to say anymore. Out, the only, the only one thing, and I, I do think it's like a little bit of everything, but there's one thing that I would try um, outside of like designing plays and things like that. And I think I would go back to Connor Williams, back to left guard, Connor McGovern, back to that hybrid fullback tight end jumbo role. I kind of feel like that's when everything was was kicking. Because I, I tried to think about this, and I'm sure there's an example out there, but I can't think of a time when an offense was clicking like this one was where a move was made, like on the offensive line. Now, I know they were kind of getting through that without having – their core five together anyways. But like that switch was made while things were, were humming along nicely. And I just, I can't think of a time in recent NFL history where a team did that. Uh, I don't know if there's anything that jumps out to you guys, but like that was well, a significant change thing. on the offensive line. Like one of your healthy pieces and you made the switch and you were doing fine. Yeah. I don't get the sense that they're going to move back. I mean, I think that this is kind of, they're going to try and stick with what they do right now just because of, the way McCarthy has talked about how he wants to be once they get in December. Uh, so because of that, uh, I, I would be surprised if there's a change. I mean, obviously you can't completely rule it out. You know, this isn't fantasy football until it is fantasy football. Um, but um, one other injury, obviously it's not an injury, but it needs to be noted just because of where the NFL is right now with all the uh, positive COVID tests. Uh, Cedric Wilson tested positive earlier this week. And so because of that, he will. Uh, he's not going to be available for this game. At least that seems like a, a safe bet. Um, so we talk about health of these teams. You talk about looking at what the playoff matchups could be, who they could face. Even with only four games to go, there's a lot that that still can can change because of COVID. I mean, there's all it takes is a, a player here or there, a key player, and then all of a sudden a team that you think, oh, this is a guaranteed uh, win because they're playing this team, all of a sudden is not so guaranteed anymore. So as of right now, as of uh, yesterday, there was a long list of players throughout the league put out that um, recently tested positive, and Cedric Wilson has been the only Cowboy this week. But as you know, we know that can change real quick. Yeah, that's how that list is getting over a hundred for for the league. But but yeah, you know, back to the offensive line real quick. I think Connor McGovern against Washington was bad. I mean, like 
it was it was kind of like noticeably bad, and so I like I wouldn't be opposed KT to having that switch as well. It was just it's just tricky though because you know when they were on that winning streak, it was like Lyle Collins wasn't there. What are you gonna do? Like just not like you know we even like joked about it, and when he did come back, like you know you can't just lose your if you're Lyle Collins, you can't lose your job to Terrence Steele on a suspension. So you have to kind of switch things up and then it's like okay if you're switching things up there do you do you try it different places as well and that's I think kind of where left guard has kind of been the uh the one place out of the four non-center positions that has been kind of the weak link and they kind of tried something different but I do think that you have to go back to Connor Williams because I I think like Connor McGovern his play has suffered Connor Williams like Connor Williams has some bad moments and and some bad penalties but I feel like he's been better overall in a body of work than what Connor McGovern is. And I, I just feel like Connor McGovern's game against Washington was a low point. He, he probably is the better option. I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you guys on that. I just will not take it to the length of comparing it to the wins and losses. Because I don't know the difference between Connor McGovern or Connor Williams having anything to do with Dak's health. And I don't think Dak's right. And Dak was right during that that winning streak. And he just hasn't been right since the calf injury. And so I think that there's still at the very least some residual effects from that. And some of his throws, just the way he's not planting uh, off of that leg. Uh, I, I just don't know that he's right. And if he is, I think he covers up for some of those issues at that left guard spot. And so, um, you know, they can keep doing musical chairs at left guard, whatever. I don't think that either of them are a difference maker to where all of a sudden it just fixes everything. So it, it, they can keep switching every week. I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to be the thing that either makes you win playoff games or loses you playoff games. I think that that stuff goes all back to the quarterback and, and the quarterback's health and effectiveness. I, I agree with that for sure. Um, and and again, all of these things are like we're piecing together. It's almost like doing a, some detective work, you know, trying to piece all these things de- together to identify what in the hell is this? I know what, what it's not. It's not Dak was never as good as people thought. It's not that. Like any, if you're hearing that crap, that's not no no. That's just not not it. What did you think of Jerry's comments on uh, Tuesday morning with uh, Sean and RJ on the fan about uh, you know basically he acknowledged that it's a slump uh, even though the head coach wouldn't, um, which is kind of typical Jerry stuff. What did you think about all that? Yeah, I found it interesting just because everybody else has has totally stayed away from that. Kellen Moore also was like I can't remember how he worded it, but it was like how you know how to quantify something being a slump you know it was just like trying to find a way to not say it almost like you know not identifying uh like a player having the yips or something it's like well we don't want to talk about this you know but it's just it's painfully obvious you know you just you don't even have to be a football expert you can just watch these games compared to the games earlier in the season uh, before the calf injury and and it's just not the same player and I think what it's doing is it's speeding him up to where like I don't think he's seeing the game as well as he was before no better example than you'll ever see than that Cole Holcomb interception where he just didn't even see Cole Holcomb at all, uh, which is very undak like I mean, you go back to even his rookie year where he was certainly more of a game manager than he is now, what he's evolved into. And even then, his his greatest strength, you could argue, was that he didn't turn the ball over. He didn't have a lot of those plays like that. And so that was, that, that's, been, that's been concerning. But I just, if you don't want to say... He's in a slump. That's fine, but he's in a slump. Like you don't have to admit it because you're with the team and you don't want to put anything out there. But it's like 
it's it's obvious. It's the eye test. It's the numbers. I don't know how you want to quantify it that he's not in a slump. I'd love to see her the argument for why he, how is he not? So um, that that's an issue there. Um, yeah. And, and as great as the defense is playing, I, I just don't know that uh, it, it'll be fine for the rest of the regular season. I just don't know you can win uh, playoff games against good teams if something doesn't change with the way Dak's playing. Yeah, and I, I don't have a problem with the team not saying he's in a slump, but what I do, what I don't really like, because I think Dak is Dak is mentally strong enough to take that. If 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 McCarthy did say it or something, I don't really like McCarthy. Kind of like you know going back to that Holcomb interception, basically insinuating like someone else is at fault, like the receivers are like the receiver was at fault or something like that. Like I don't think you need to throw anybody else under the bus at Dak's expense. Um, just because, you know, like, yeah, you don't have to say Dax, but, but don't, don't tell me like, you know, the, the receiver did this, ran this wrong or something like that. Like that's clearly on Dak right there. Um, you know, not saying the receiver's not blameless, but Dak knows that he's late on that throw and, and he needs to make that 10 out of 10 times. So, um, I, I don't know, like, I think you don't have to acknowledge it, but you also don't have to throw anybody else under the bus. You know, one thing that John said on Sunday night's podcast uh, after the game against Washington uh, has kind of stuck with me in the last few days leading up to this. And it's, uh, I think, John, you said, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, so to the point of where are all the easy throws, the, the you know, uh, rollouts to, to get, to, to get basically to get uh, him in a rhythm, get some confidence going. And we're still kind of waiting on that, you know. And is and I, I On just, that point, KT, I got one other that, thing to add into there. Uh, yeah. Who's who throughout Dak's entire career? Who's been his go-to receiver? Because I don't think there is one. Um, I don't think there's well, one Amari guy. That, except uh, is it? In recent, I mean, since Amari let got me, there, it was Amari. Let but. me give it. Let me give a definition, and then I guess uh, explaining what I think a go-to receiver is. Uh, kind of like the what Devontae Adams would be for uh, Aaron Rodgers. What Rob Gronkowski has mm-hmm. been for Tom Brady. Uh, you know, it, the list goes on and on. The Calvin Johnson with Matthew Stafford, stuff like that. Like you know, Matt Ryan and Julio Jones, things like that. Like he has all these good receivers and he has throughout. There was, we, we had talked on these podcasts. We had talked in the past about how just like him and Des weren't on the same page. I don't, I mean, I, I think that all of them are solid in that, but I don't think that there's been one receiver or tight end his entire time as Cowboys quarterback. We were like, Oh, that's Dak's guy. That's the one that he'll go to uh, when he needs to maybe get out of the slump or he needs to go to in this big moment. Like I can't think of one per- person that I would definitively say is that guy. I think what, with the, Ideally, that becomes C.D. Lamb, and that is right. That's probably that, your best and, bet. And from a timeline meshing point and all that stuff, I mean, you know, you talked about like Devonte Adams. Well, it was Jordy Nelson before that, and right. you know, Romo and Dez, and it was you know, it was T. Well, it was Witten, honestly, <laughs> yeah. uh, before that. And you think about all that. So, um, yeah, I think, you know that. I, I think it maybe like it, it, Dak hasn't had a has a has had a receiver quote unquote like that I think it's gonna just been Zeke you know like that's who he came in with and that, that's kind of I think who's more attached to the hip with Dak than any any receiver it's more Zeke um as the running back whether it be you know on the field off the field all that stuff well and like the easy throws that John was talking about yeah I agree like if we get some easy throws but that that just hasn't happened like the separation hasn't been there and where it's harder to get easy throws is just when you go snap Oh, it's second and ten. It's third and ten. Snap, drop back and throw it. Well, that's not you're trying to get a first down at that point. So like, it does need to have some semblance of a feared running game. And teams right now don't fear the Cowboys' running game, and they shouldn't 
because Zeke is clearly hobbled. A problem. And I would love to have him sit this week, and I, know, I realize you probably can't. But if this needed to be a Rico Dowdle and um, Corey Clement game, sign me up, dude. You could beat the Giants sleepwalking. So, like, I'm I'm all in. Like, I've been trying to get this to happen for a long time, and it's just not going to happen. And we're all just going to realize that bad Zeke is going to go into the playoffs. Well, bad Zeke is not threatening to anyone. Therefore, they're stopping the run with fewer guys in the box and loading up in coverages, and then your play action becomes a little... Um, Basically, honestly, your play-action game is destroyed if you don't have any threat of a running game because they don't care. Oh, a fake of a handoff? We're not changing our coverage at all. We don't. We can stop this. So until they get that figured out, the offense is going nowhere. Like some semblance of a running game. The, the only thing, the only bright spot in this running game is Tony Pollard breaking that run in New Orleans. There ain't much else. Like counting, I, I might be missing a 12-yard run here or there. There ain't much else. It's running ahead into a wall is what it is. And that's got to get fixed. And I don't I don't know if that does, if Zeke is going to be at the percentage health that he's at now, which is far below 100. It ain't even close. Yeah, and by the uh, way, that, that Tony Pollard run, it, it's a bright spot, but that's also where the injury happens. So it's yeah. not, even, even that's not a complete Can't catch spot. a break. <laughs> After Dak signed the contract, though, would you sit there and have said, um, well, he better that if the running game doesn't work, he's not going to be successful? Well, no. I don't, it's, it's not that the running game has to work in, in a sense where anybody has to be Derrick Henry or Emmett Smith or anything like that. Like, it just has to have some sort of presence. Like, it, it just has to, it just has to be there. Like, it, like that's the thing I think you know seeing some people say like oh like you know this goes to show how this is like 2016 Dak where like the run sets up the pass I don't think that's true but you have to have something like like and you go back and look at whatever team whatever quarterback you want to look at whether you know the earlier days of like Tom Brady when he had like Corey Dillon Peyton Manning having Edron James like no matter what you do like you always have some semblance I don't think anybody you know just goes out there and and is you know slinging it around I mean you can't tell me one quarterback that does that so I think you have to have some semblance of a running game like yes Aaron Rodgers did it later in his career but I think you know earlier he did have a running game as well but I think um I think that's the thing like you just have to have some semblance of a running game you don't have to have a dominant running game man Twitter gets all fired up like talk about first down run percentage um, and I know that's a big thing. Like, hey, you don't need to run on first down all the time, right? Dude, the Cowboys are 22nd in the league in first down run percentage. Right? To me, that's not on Kellen. Kellen's calling a fair amount of run plays. Like, what are you talking about on Twitter, though? Like, what do you, what do you, what, what, per, what? Oh, another first down run from Kellen. Great call. Yeah. Yeah, the reason, like, the reason why people are saying that is because it's a it's a run right in right in between the guards, and it gets a yard or loses a yard, or maybe at the most gets two. Believe me, yeah. if those first down runs were like something to the outside, they got like seven, eight yards. Nobody would complain about first down runs. It's like it's literally like first down running into a brick wall. That's the thing that I that that will get fans annoyed. Yeah, yeah no, and then that's kind of what's what's happening, right? And you're setting up second and eights, 
And then third nobody and eight, will complain about a first down run that gets five, six yards. Nobody uh, ever. Tom Brady's the greatest quarterback ever. And there's no Bucks fan that I guarantee you cares when Leonard Fournette gets the ball in first down and gets five or six yards. They're like, okay, let's do that again. That's great because people that know football know that if you keep doing that, it doesn't matter what else happens in the game. You are going to win the game if you keep doing things like that. Are outside runs with November and December, Zeke, a good, a good plan? Because I think that's setting yourself up for second and 13. I don't know. <laughs> I like seeing get Zeke get the ball in space and, you know, throw him a little toss. Um, you know, I don't feel like we've seen that much recently. but Because you know. he can't right now. That's I yeah. agree with you, Ken, but I just think it's because he, he can't. He just get, doesn't have the juice. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I also want to clear something up for the fan base. Like, I think the the consensus is like, Zeke is this useless piece of crap like he's basically just Jalen Smith out there taking up space Zeke's still top 10 in the NFL in rushing the only player with more rushing yards than him with less carries is Nick Chubb so I feel like when it comes to the the league as a whole Zeke is still a pretty important running back in this in the NFL and um, I just want to maybe say to the fan base like he's still an important part of this team even though he's not the old Zeke I I I think He's one of, outside of Dak, and maybe we, I should throw Tyron in here. I think he's the most important piece to this offense. I just Zach want Martin. I want oh Zach Martin, of course. I want September and October Zeke back. November and December Zeke is a train wreck, and it's bad. But September and October Zeke is important, and can quite frankly go win you games in the playoffs. Like just having that. And throwing it to uh, and giving it to Tony Pollard on the side a little bit, perfect. But teams now know that he's hurt. They're not. They're not accounting for him. They're. They're not accounting for any type of run game. And maybe maybe it's everybody up front. You know, well, I guess the offensive line gets all this credit too. But like, how do you make the running game start being effective? I think. I think like we're talking about like easy throws. Well, if Dak's a little bit hurt, right? Whatever anyone wants to say. Was to say. We'll agree that Dak is somewhere between, uh, uh, he's somewhere under 100%. We're all good there, right? Dak's clearly under 100%. So the rollouts, the things like that that could go get you maybe four or five yard, dump it off to Schultz or whatever. And then you got a second and five, and then you run the ball. And then you got a manageable third down, or you get a second and four, and then you run it for a first down. That changes everything. Right now, defenses aren't even worried that the Cowboys have the option of running the ball. Because they're not effective with it, so like, I I just don't understand that. I mean, dude, I was wanted I wanted this a month ago, and I know all the 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 um, the things that you could say are like he's important to the team, he's a, a leader, pass protection, all that stuff. You know, Zeke's a gamer; he'll tough it out. I don't care. I want healthy Zeke. So, what does it take to get healthy Zeke? And maybe they've identified clearly not a medical guy. Uh, me, maybe they've identified it ain't going to get better. It's a knee thing. It's just it's just going to be a fight through it type of thing. Sitting it's not going to help, and if sitting it's not going to help, that's really unfortunate because having a healthy Zeke like he was in September and October, a bit of a game changer once you get to the playoffs. Yeah, but I, one thing I do want to say just with Zeke is, and this is relatively speaking to the to the entire league, you know, with how good the running backs are and where Zeke ranks. Like I don't think there's really any team. There's not many teams in the NFL today that the running back is kind of the catalyst for their offense. Like the running back is just kind of used as that, 
you know, we're up by 10 and we need to run the four minute, five minute offense type thing. But it's kind of tough to judge because it, it's kind of like if you if you were judging, I don't know, like a basketball team based on like their their mid range jump shot, you know, like that's just not where the game is anymore. And so, you know, I, I don't think that necessarily for good, for better or worse, necessarily defines kind of where Zeke is just like I'll also remember like, you know, earlier in the year, you know, they were up big against the Chargers. They were up against certain teams and, you know, trying to milk that clock. Um, but, but I don't know. I, I feel like, I feel like, uh, the inflection point with like Zeke is just that pylon. Like, I feel like ever since that pylon thing happened, like it's just, you know, it's, he's, he hasn't looked the same after that. Oh, I think it, that, yeah, I mean that, that is an interesting point, but, uh, I also just think it's his general running style. Like I just, I mean, how often does Zeke get a run or, or even get a, catch in the flat or something where he just doesn't take a monster hit whether he's delivering the blow or he just takes a big blow every time i've watched him even going back to the beginning of the season this year i was saying like how many how long can you do this for like it's one thing to do that during your rookie year second year maybe even your third you just don't see backs doing that anymore in the nfl with success it just that physical running style i mean yeah of course people point to emmett smith and things like that and his longevity but it's just so rare that you're going to have a long, productive career when you run like that. And so maybe it's just that's all catching up with Zeke now. And maybe maybe it, talking about Zeke is a waste of time because it's not going to get healthy. And Zeke's just going to be what he is. And he's going to be you know, big in the locker room and big in pass protection and all those things. And maybe it's just what it is. He's hurt and it's just going to be that type of thing. I, I threw this out there a few weeks ago, the idea of a guy who's not a 17-game guy. He's more of an 8-10 to 10 game guy. Right. Well, I want those games in the playoffs. If I, if I'm, you know, if I'm going to get them, maybe talking about Tony Pollard is what we should be doing. You know, I, I saw some numbers. I think it was Bobby Belt who put them out there, and I was kind of surprised at it. But I, I guess I probably shouldn't have been. It was like yards after contact numbers, and Tony Pollard was like, you know, top ten in the league in yards after contact, and Zeke was down in you know forties. Right. Like so as much as we think of Zeke as. I've been using the word throbber. Don't worry about it, guys. Um, think of Zeke as kind of the, the guys you know, got to get the tough yards and all that stuff. Tony Pollard's breaking tackles too, so like you know that's maybe it's needs to talk about that because because maybe effective Tony Pollard can do just as much as Zeke can if he's healthy. Um, I mean, it's, a, it's an experiment we all kind of wanted to see, anyways, around here. I think, or a lot of Cowboys fans did. I know I did, but maybe that's something that we need to we need to know and. Getting him healthy is going to be right. I always worry about guys that have foot injuries. So, but maybe we need to focus more on getting Tony Pollard healthy than, you know, having this discussion about trying to sit Zeke or whatever. That's clearly not going to happen. So the maybe, foot injury doesn't make you think, well, maybe giving him more carries isn't the answer. Well, yeah, but that's fine. You know, my old, my old problem with the whole, like, the more carries thing, yeah, that's fine. You can look at his build. Like, I get the pass protection issues, but, like, how do we know? Like I get outside of this, I guess foot injury now. But although that feels like a freak injury to me, tearing your foot up like that. Um, like I don't even know. Like if you start talking about, okay, I've got a knee, I've got, uh, you know, a core injury or something. I guess like where I'm that. coming from is that you can't ever. There, there's just no way that you, at least smart planning for by any team, you should never be doing bell cow back anymore. Everybody needs at yes. least two backs. And, and unfortunately for the Cowboys, both of theirs are injured. But like the idea of just playing like, you know, Jason Garrett wanted a bell cow back 20, 25, 30 carries. 
Yeah. It's silly. It's silly. Not, Dude, that's not working anymore. You have to have at least minimum two good backs. I won't say the name, but I heard a local pundit uh, who was talking about, well, they don't, he said they don't see Tony Pollard as a guy who can carry the ball 20 to 25 games. And I'm like, yeah, when has Zeke done that? Like 2016? Like it didn't exist anymore. Like it's not, it's just, it's not something that he has ever done. Like what, what guy are they trying to give 20? No one. They're not trying to give anyone 20 carries. So I don't, I like, I don't even understand why that's a conversation sometimes. But maybe I'm just a jerk. You know, I don't know. I was like, 2016 is when they were wanting to give Zeke the ball 20 something times. He's only had uh, two games this year with over 20. 17 and 18, he was still, I would still put him on that level. 17 for sure, but he missed all those games and they knew that he was going to miss games. So they were like, let's go. Let's Did he win the rushing out. title in 18? Um, 18. I'm I think he won sure. in 16 and 18. 18, he had a. Yeah, they they got him about six six games, seven games Gosh. over twenty carries. Looking back 20. at the 2017 in his carries, 27, 24, 27, 33, 26, 29, 21, 22, 24. He was just carrying the rock, man. He was a beast, man. <laughs> and he's that's the thing, like, okay, so let's look at this year. Um week one he had eleven carries. Obviously they weren't gonna run in that game, right? But you get to week four and five, uh, that Carolina game and that Giants easy win, right? 20 carries, 143 yards. 21 carries for 110 yards. I mean, dude, getting 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 the rock quite a bit, but then it went 17, 16, 10, 14, 9, 9, 13, 12. Like, I mean, they've, I guess they have tried to lessen the load, but part of that is Tony Pollard's uh, – you know The other resurgence. one I think of too is with, with Derrick Henry. Like Derrick Henry is the only other guy that's like that. And like Zeke, got a ton of carries like that in college too. So there was already that wear and tear. Derrick Henry, same draft class in that. Derrick Henry this year before getting hurt, 17 carries, 35, 28, 33, 29, 20, 29, 28. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh. Good luck, good luck banking on that. Like how long is that going to last? Like at least like – Right now, Dak's going through a slump. I believe it has something to do with his calf. I also still feel very confident about Dak's career for the next decade. Like, yeah. <laughs> with a running back, even on those no. Derrick Henry numbers, how much longer do you really feel confident that he's going to be able to do that? He might not be able to do that literally next year. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not preach you and your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I always, I've been wondering, I've been watching Hard Knocks uh, Colts. I don't know if you guys have been keeping up with that, the end season one. But I was sitting there and they were showing like a defensive meeting and they're showing like, Oh, here's Tom Brady. Look at all these players. Here's Tom Brady. Here's Leonard Fournette. Here's, you know, here's what this guy can do. And I'm wondering, as teams are preparing for the Cowboys this year, and they're showing him 21, like, are they pulling plays from three years ago to show this guy's ability? Because, you know, the, the longest yard uh, play he has this year is 40 yards. So it's like, it's just in the entire preparation of Zeke, I feel like there's less of a threat to prepare for than there ever there is. Been. But I'm telling you, 100%, the way coaches operate... I promise you they're showing him that. They're showing them. He's done, they're it. Showing, he's done it once. They're, he can do it again. They're showing players <laughs> in 2016, and he's leaping over guys. Yeah. Because they the last thing they want is you to like overlook him and think that he's not the same guy. Uh, so I can guarantee you that they're showing him like, and if there is a- anything from this year, it's cut ups of like all of his best runs, you know, like, Oh, look at, he can do this. He can do this. They're not going to show him like, yeah, go break down exactly every run he had last week against Washington the week before that. I'm no, just wondering if like, want them to be motivated. His best runs are seven yard, <laughs> some seven yard runs. You know, I just don't know. I mean, it's if he has, if he has the, several uh, years. yeah, the, the threat that he had defensively when, Defenses would prepare for Zeke, you know, I guess for his first three years, it's like, God, they're just dreading it. You know, now it's probably just like, yeah, we can probably handle this guy if we play our game. I'm really interested to see how they handle running back in the future. Yeah. Whenever post Zeke, like I just will I'll be stunned if like it's it certainly will not be a first round pick. I think maybe second. I don't know. What's the earliest he did in Mike McCarthy did in Green Bay? Eddie Lacey. I don't think he was a second, right? Second round. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie Lacy. I think that's. I just do not see them drafting any first round running backs. Yeah, boy, that, for the future that, and, of me covering this football team. And that ran out of steam real quick. The Eddie Lacy thing, you know. I mean, right. there were times when they were like, so. I mean, Ryan Grant, if you remember him. Oh yeah, uh, you know the Giants out outcast. Uh, Brandon Jackson was like, a, I think he was a late round pick, I believe. Um, James Starks, remember him from Buffalo? I mean, late round guys. That's how I was. I mean, like I. So like I, the, part of me wonders if there's like a fragile uh, confidence thing. Clearly there is, but like fragile confidence in the locker room because they won't come out and just say Zeke's banged up though. You know, like the, it's always nothing. I'm fine. Every week on the TV broadcast, John, I, I know you go back and rewatch the games. But every single week on the television broadcast, the sideline reporter mentions Zeke's health and how Zeke said he's fine. And then it cuts to Zeke limping. Like it's every single week. And I'm like, okay, why is this still happening? But 
like a part of me just wonders like why they won't come out and say, hey, Zeke's a little banged up. Are they trying to be keep it a mystery? Maybe maybe that's fine. Like I know like on Sunday Night Football they're talking about Aaron Rodgers' pinky toe the other night, and they're like, oh yeah, his pinky toe on his left toe. And Aaron was like, yeah, if you step on it, it could be real bad. And I was like, uh, okay, well if I'm one of the teams who's playing Aaron Rodgers, I'm going to try to step on his foot real quick and end his season. Like Zeke's been asked to- about Zeke's been asked about if he's worried about players going after his knee because, like I said, I mean he has been wearing a knee brace in practice. He's been riding the bike. Like people know that, you know, even though the coaches might not want to sit. And Zeke has been open about having a right knee injury. He just doesn't want it. He hasn't, you know, said what the, he had an MRI. I mean, that's all you need to know. You don't have MRIs just to have MRIs. So yeah, uh, he said it's supposed to be better in the next three to four weeks. But yeah, that's three to four weeks if you're not taking any additional hits on it. Obviously, he's going to be doing that. Uh, you're not going to like the me looking back on this Packers draft history at running back. It's not good with Mike. Hell. <laughs> Uh, you forgot about in 20, 2007, they took a gentleman by the name of Brandon Jackson in the second round out of Nebraska. Yeah. Nebraska, uh, hey, he had a good playoff run for them. He was a good second back for a, for a bit, but he wasn't great. Okay. Uh, 2011, third round, a gentleman out of Hawaii by the name of Alex Green. That didn't go too well. I remember... Oh man, I, I like I remember just him when he first got there. Like it was uh, there was there was a lot of excitement about that just because there was uh, there there was that void at running back for a while, and it was that that fell flat on on its face. And then there's Lacey, but as I know, KT, you'll you'll agree with this. At least I, I think you would. It's tough to put a lot of the blame on some of these things on these draft picks on Mike McCarthy, just considering how. It was a Ted Thompson thing more than yeah. I, don't, I don't know that Mike McCarthy had a huge say. I guess I, I put it that way. Well, and Mike McCarthy was also back then calling plays. He was using the run to help out and get in friendly passing situations. It was a passing offense for sure. You know? Yeah. Um, and the Cowboys have shown that they can win games as a passing offense. But the sweet spot for them, and I didn't think it would be this way when the season started, but the sweet spot for them winning games is Zeke and Pollard getting somewhere, uh, splitting 30 carries, Dak throwing the ball about 30 or less times. Yeah. You know, something like that. And that's kind of the sweet spot, not 45 to 20, you know, or 50 to 15 or whatever. So it's kind of a kind of a different philosophy depending on the matchup and things like that. But, you know, they were throwing off things like that. But, you know, either way, like, again, that's just one of the many uh, parts that you could kind of – in the end, Dak's got to be better too. He needs to be quicker with the football. I mean, I think, I think you could see him hesitating. But and I do think about that interception early in the game. It'd be nice if we could get Z, uh, Dak off to a nice, you know, seven for seven or eight for eight for nine, and you know, good completions and and that type of thing. And then he and then you kind of start build some confidence, and then maybe you see the Dak of old. It also we be also nice have to throw you, in here. This is in high school. Like, I mean, yeah, the, uh, Kellen Moore could be drawing these plays up and there could be easy throws and he's taking the more difficult ones. I mean, because I think of that because that first interception, it was just like, what? Why? Yeah. What is, what is What are you doing here? Yeah, I think it's a copycat league. And, you know, we say this a lot. If I was if I was the Cowboys, if I was Kellen Moore, if I was Dak. I would look at what Mac Jones in New England, and I'm not. I'm not trying. I'm not reducing D- Dak to a rookie quarterback. I'm just saying I've watched enough Patriots football this year to see the the Patriots set Mac Jones up at least initially to get some of those easy completions, and he doesn't even have the weapons 
that Dak does. I, and I'm not saying you relegate your entire game plan to that. I'm just saying for those easy completions, go look at what that team is doing because they get that they do that. I think there was a, there was a couple of games to go, a few games to go. Mac had like 18 straight completions or something. Like you can you can look you can steal some of those ideas, and I think they do a, they do as good of a job. And not just uh, not just uh, not just now with Mac Jones. I mean historically. Josh McDaniels has done that with Tom Brady. That's why everyone, even as stupid as it was, that's why they kept calling Tom Brady a system quarterback because the way that they would implement the offense had such a structure and had such a system to it. If I was the Cowboys, if I was Kellen Moore, I would go look at what they were doing with Mac Jones, at least for the first few passes of a, of a game. But maybe Dak doesn't want to take those because in 2000. 16, you know, his rookie year when he was in the Mac Jones situation, I thought there was a lot more of that. You know, you'd look at some of those next-gen stats, the the passing charts and stuff like that, there'd be one or two throws tops per game in the middle of the field. Everything would be to the outside. Like, that was the whole design of what Scott Linehan wanted, you know, not to take any, you know, all most of your risk happens in the middle of the field. And as you can tell by these the two interceptions he had this past week. But I think when you get to year five, year six, you get the big contract, He'll never say this, but I, you, you just have to wonder how much of that plays into your kind of your ego. Like I have all these receivers, I can make these big throws. Like you know, I can I can get this offense going again. Let let me just do my thing. I'm not taking safe throws and things like that. I don't know how much that factors into it. And then other the fact of you know the safest throws when you think about it are generally to your tight end. And 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 I just there hasn't been as much Dalton Schultz recently as there was earlier in the season and i'm sure that has something to do with what defense they're doing as well um but yeah i just it just everything just looks way more complicated than it should be for a team that is not hurting for talent right now like you have all of your i mean that's the thing going into last week's game is amari cooper talking about how you know this is gonna be our first game from you know beginning to end that we could have all three of our our receivers all healthy you know because michael gallup got banged up in the second half of the season opener and it's like okay and then they go out there and and no one really has this huge game. Like you're thinking, okay, every week, no matter who you're playing, especially if it's the awful Washington football team that was down, whatever, 24 at halftime, like who, somebody should step up and have at least one big game out of these three receivers that are finally healthy and there's nothing there. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Well, let's get to our game predictions here. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about the defense after the game on Sunday quite a bit as as they go up against Mike Glennon. I'm going Cowboys 31, Giants 17. Mike I'll Glennon. Go, wow. <laughs> yeah. I'll go with I'll go with Cowboys 42, Giants 21. John? Uh, I'm gonna go Cowboys 28, Giants 17. And Kent. I'll go Cowboys 35, Giants 10. Oh, hey, and speaking of all these predictions and things like this, um, you know, last week's line was like four and a half for most most of the week, and then it went up to six and a half. Like, how big was that missed extra point? Dude. For everybody that had money on that game. A lot of money on that thing, huh? (laughs) Yeah. I know what you're saying. Or you know McCarthy decided to go for two to make it eleven to nothing. Yeah, oh yeah. He was he was he was point shaving maybe. I need to look into yeah. that. That's a, that's a McCarthy thing. He, anytime there's a penalty and you get it, you know, on the one yard line, he's going to go for two. That's what he says. So well, he's we'll got see if that damn continues. fossil in his ear. Like, <laughs> dude, he's fossil's the head coach of this team. I'm convinced. 
at this point. <laughs> there's no a. There's no way, and this is well, I know for a fact he's not. If he was, there would have been way more fakes, and we haven't seen any. <laughs> oh, if he was calling the shots and he was in charge of it, there we would have seen at least, at minimum, this far into the season, minimum two, probably three Brian Anger passes uh, and a fake field goal. We haven't seen any of that. So, no, I don't believe that he is that <laughs> coach. But he does. He is doing the most on the sideline. It's very easy to see him all over the place. For John, sure. before, you, before you leave, John, can I play one memory? Um of Jason Garrett that you might remember of course. Um, when Jason Garrett uh, was known to have a kind of a colorful mouth on the, on the field. I think a lot of the fans got to see that in all or nothing uh, that, that, you know, he was well put together, but he certainly um, could, could curse on you, you know? And it was actually amazing that he never did in a press conference, but he almost did one time. And uh, this is what happened. He's one of the great natural competitors I've ever been around. He fuck, he loves it. That was on you. He loves to play. And uh, he demonstrated that again yesterday. He's one of the great natural competitors I've ever been around. He fuck, he loves it. He turned so red. Yeah. Immediately looked to his left at Rich Dalrymple. <laughs> so yep. Why about y'all fix this shit, Rich? Couldn't believe that that was the only time because that's how he got to talk, you know, in the walk offs and stuff. You know, he oh, was yeah. very, very casual and they just let it slip. You know, it was uh, one of the greater, <laughs> greater moments. And um, here's a couple more for you. How we doing, guys? That's after a loss. You know, he had he had multiple how we doing guys and that was his depressed version of it. Uh, I always like that. Just how we doing, guys? How we doing, guys? You know, is he gonna get that Duke job or what? No, it's already been given to somebody. Damn it! It's been filled by Mike Elko from Texas A&M. What are they doing? Have fun. Hire Jason. Have a (laughs) cheesesteak. That's what he would tell us when uh, we would head to Philly. He didn't press her and be like, "Have a cheesesteak." Okay, we will, Jason. Thanks. Um, if only the Giants could have seen that coming, that that wouldn't work out. You know, if there's only any kind of evidence out there that he wasn't. We a good tried officer. to tell him. All right, hey, I got I got to go. But my big thing too was how do you go get the Duke job when you couldn't get anything out of the best Duke player? Ever? So, <laughs> Great point. I'm just saying. I mean, it was going to be tough. Yes. I know Mike Shashevsky is a huge fan of Jason Garrett, and I do think Jason Garrett was, would be a good fit as the Duke football coach because I do think that. You're not recruiting everybody. Like people say, oh, recruiting so daunting. Now, nah, recruiting for Duke football, you're limited on the players you're going to there's, yeah. there's just guys that either they're going to want to play for Duke or they're not. I mean, there's not a lot of gray area there. So um, I think he would have been good there. But I just I kept thinking in my head, I'm like, Daniel Jones is like the best Duke football player ever. And the reason that he no longer is the offensive coordinator with the Giants because he couldn't get Daniel Jones going. Like, I don't know how that is going to go over. But, hey, I don't know. I don't know. I know that uh, Duke cares very much about their basketball program. I do know that. <laughs> well, thank you very much. <laughs> See you, John. Uh, there he goes, Father John Machado. We'll be talking to him on Sunday after the Cowboys and Giants play. Hopefully, it's a you know. I mean, look, I, I just don't foresee it being a very good game. But hopefully, uh, you know, what the hell are the, the Giants doing at quarterback? Though, honestly, you know, uh, <laughs> like, Daniel Jones's neck is Mike all Glennon. Up. Seriously, wasn't Gardner Minshew like? basically out there for free this off season. Like 
would they not take a chance on a guy like that that has a little bit of upside? I mean, come on. It's unbel- it's it's hilarious, honestly. Yeah, you just look at the tangibles with Mike Glennon and they I think teams keep falling in love with that and then just and just uh and just hoping it's kind of like a it's kind of like uh, how the Patriots and and I think the Texans were with like Ryan Mallet. It's yeah. just like there was nothing ever there, but the tangibles were so intriguing, the build, the the height and all that kind of stuff and you're just like, "Oh, let's just keep throwing him out there and it's just not going to work. It's a freaking miracle that he was never a Cowboys quarterback when Jason Garrett was yeah, was oh, around. Yeah. It's a miracle that there wasn't I mean, he tried to do that with guys like Whedon, you know, you know Brandon Whedon. Yeah. I couldn't believe, you know, like a guy like Fitzpatrick seemed like the perfect Jason Garrett guy, and it never happened. But luckily they, they got Dak. But I just find it hilarious that it's just fun to watch. As a Cowboys, uh, you know, someone who covers the Cowboys, it's fun to see them kind of wail around like a dead fish for a while. until they It's a mess, out. man. I think Joe Judge will get run at the end of the year. Yeah. New GM, like they're going to start all over too. So like – Yep. Here we go. Once again, another NFC East team that just can't like get it all together right there. But uh, we'll be talking about this on Sunday after the game uh, here on About Them Cowboys. Uh, for Father John, for Saad, covering the Stars. Hey, Saad, can we get the Stars on track? Can we get a win? Come on. <laughs> yeah, they've lost do, four man? in a row, man. It's, uh, it's not going good. They won seven in a row and then lost four in a row. Crazy. No, um, and then uh, for our producer, Kent Garrison. Mr. Kent. Cheers. Um, that's, that's all we got. So we'll talk to you next week uh, after the game on About the Cowboys. Love you. Bye.